good morning church why don't you stand to your feet we're going to pray declare our intentions before God this morning as we come before him to bring a, a sacrifice of praise and worship him with everything we have let's pray together almighty God we thank you for this morning a new day new blessings Lord, this morning I declare that you're releasing a fresh revelation of hope into this house. Lord, as we come together as family, as we come before you and worship you as our Heavenly Father, we look forward to receiving this fresh revelation of hope that you have for us. Hope that is anchored in the promises of you. Hope that is anchored in your Word, God, which is eternal. Father, as we come before you and worship you this morning, as we declare that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as we declare that you're the one who authored and perfected our faith. Father, let our praise rise up to you in a way that would bring glory and honour to you. God, we give you all the thanks and all the praise this morning as we worship you with everything we have. We bless you this morning. Amen. 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 Okay, let's worship our God. You know that when, when we praise, He's enthroned on our praises. What does it look like? He's here and He wants to come more and more. You are here as we lift you up. You are riding on our praise. Being thrown over everything. You are seated in our praise. Praise and you change the atmosphere With hearts open wide 
awesome is our God, eh, church? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Awesome, we serve an awesome God. Let's worship Him this morning. Clap louder than that, church. Come on. There we go. No other name, no other name like Jesus. 
Oh, you're sounding great this morning. Why don't you give your neighbour a high five? Take a seat. Great to see you. We'll give you a very, very warm welcome to you this morning. The church, can we put our hands together to give Pastor Andrew Routon all the way from Raglan a very warm welcome. It's great to have Andrew with us this morning. He shared a great word in the 9am and you're going to be in for a real treat this morning. So that's fantastic. If you're a visitor, if this is your first or second time at Activate Church, we'd love to give you a little pack. It's got a few details in there, a coffee card. You can fill in a few details as well. If you can give me a wave, the host team will pop around and see you. That's all cool. Great. What about birthdays and wedding anniversaries? Well, there's a visitor over here. Thanks. There's one here. Great. Can we give a warm hand to our visitors this morning, church? That's fantastic. Great to have you with us. Believe it or not, we had no birthdays or no wedding anniversaries in the 9am service. So I hope we've got some birthdays and wedding anniversaries this morning. So if you've had a birthday or a wedding anniversary, why don't you come out to the front with me? Grace, congratulations. Victoria, fantastic. Also, Nikki, are you here celebrating your 21st? Mike's girlfriend? I'm not sure. Wow. Look at all of these guys. This is fantastic. 21, is it, Jess? All over again. Fantastic. Well, Church, why don't you stand with me as we pray this blessing over each one of these people this morning. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness for each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give them a big hand. Congratulations, guys. That is fantastic. Have an awesome day or an awesome week. Well... Today is the last Sunday of the school holidays. So kids, you've got the opportunity to go back to um, and grab some pens and uh, do some activity sheets. Also, when Andrew is preaching this morning, he says the word pizza a lot. Yeah, you're going to feel hungry. So kids, if you can count how many times Pastor Andrew says pizza and then let Ashley know at the end of the service, she will give you a whole lot of crunchy bars and chocolate bars. Just check with your mum and dad first, of course. But yeah, remember how many times Pastor Andrew says the word pizza. So we're going to make us go hungry on that one. Well, guess what's happening next next Saturday, the 25th, 12, 30 to 4 p.m. We have Pastor Ian Green all the way from England. And guess how much it costs? It's free. Turn to your neighbour and say it's free. And I'd love to see you there. So come along, we're in for a fantastic time. Pastor Ian will also be ministering in all services on the 26th. We have the School of Life starting this week on the 23rd, the 30th, and the 6th of August. If you want to become closer to God, enhance your connection with Him, that's the place to be. School of Life, getting to God, stepping into God's best. You're going to have an awesome time there. And on the 11th of August, we have a church-wide worship night. Who was it the last one? It was off the charts. It really, really was. So I really encourage you to come along. We're going to be in for a fantastic time. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Pastor Sheridan. as an important announcement. No, 
Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Very good. Great to see you. Hey, um, it's my pleasure to... Well, how many of you get my pastor's desk email? Quite a few of you, so most of you probably already know that's good. If you don't, just sign up at the Hub and it is a little bit sporadic. I try, but um, I'm trying to move to video technology. Anyway, um, it's my privilege this morning. So on one hand, I'm happy, and on the other hand, I'm a little sad to announce. But I'm mostly happy because I love seeing people step into the destiny that God's called them into. And uh, so this morning, it's my pleasure to let you know that Phil and Kathy have responded to God's call to pastor the church in Te Aumutu. Isn't that cool? That's very cool. And so, so we're really excited about that. That'll unfold over the next few weeks and we'll say goodbye to them properly and all that. And the way we've been talking about it is we're family. It's actually, my brother's playing guitar this morning. He's my brother, no matter where he lives, we just don't live under the same roof, which is probably a good thing. In a spiritual sense, Phil and Kathy are our brothers and sisters. We're just not going to be living under the same roof anymore. So if you think of it like that, it's really exciting. We're on the same mission, the same team, doing the same thing. We're just going to be doing it in different towns. So anyway, we'll let you know more about that. But that is very, very exciting. Amen. Cool. Isn't that awesome news? Congratulations to you guys. Absolutely fantastic. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Reese. Let's give him a warm welcome. He's going to share a testimony of God's goodness in his life. I heard that. Who said that? Stand up, Anna. <laughs> Way typical. Well, for those of you who don't know, I'm Reese. I work at ATC. Hi. And um, I'm in the marketing team. And um, I've been asked to share about how uh, we show God's goodness at work. And lift up your hands, anyone who hasn't heard, no, actually, who has heard of Vision College or trained me or good, 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 good. We're doing our job right. That's good. We have two main brands under, um, under ATC. Uh, one is Train Me and the other is Vision College. But we've just had um, our latest intake for July for Train Me, and there's probably 400 odd students um, that have come and joined us um, for this, this intake. And a lot of those people come from I don't know, backgrounds where they, um, they haven't achieved, maybe they've dropped out of school, maybe they've just, just low self-esteem, and um, our amazing tutors come alongside them, and I guess they, they're responding to uh, the call of God in their lives, um, but also they're showing Jesus um, th- through dealing with them um, and just treating them in a, in a way that, um, that they'll see their potential, and I think that's really important, that, um, that God has a potential for all of us, and um, and it's through that that we can uh, that we can live out our lives and 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 um, I don't know just just be um, be great Christians. I speak to a lot of parents on the phone as well, and um, and you know you hear the stories of them you know these kids dropping out of school and. And, um, and really just not heading anywhere. 
And to see, to see someone that comes in and six months later or a year later, they get a qualification behind them and they feel worthy. And, um, and I think that's really important. I think, yeah, like I said before, I think God wants us all to reach our potential. And, um, and I think that as a challenge, that if we, all, if we all act like Jesus, be more like Jesus, and see people for who they are, like I'm sure that some of the tutors come alongside people that maybe they need to have a shower, maybe they're a little bit smelly, and maybe, you know, you, you, you want to walk past them, but to actually interact with them and, uh, and treat them as, um, as, an, as an equal, because they probably never, a lot of people never have, have felt that. And uh, I think that's really, really important. So as a challenge, I think for all of us um, to treat people as Jesus treated them. Isn't that wonderful to hear? Awesome what God is doing. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Wayne. Wayne's going to come and share around communion this morning. And um, as he comes, let's give him a warm welcome. Wayne is one of the most faithful people I know in our church. He's here like just every service. Um, often he's always doing something, whether it's stage managing, whether it's acting in a drama, whether it's praying for somebody, you're absolutely involved. And I'm going to honour you this morning, Wayne. And um, yeah, say thank you. You are a real, real hero. And um, so as Wayne leads us around um, communion, we're then going to go into a time of worship. And for those that are involved with Josh this morning in Faith 101, as we begin to enter our time of worship, as people stand, feel free to meet Josh uh, in the foyer and you'll have a great time there. So, but thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Ray. Good morning, family. I will say family, not church, because that's what uh, Sharon has just shared. We are family. And uh, that's awesome. So, um, yeah, so the host team, if you'd like to pass out the emblems, that'd be, that would be fantastic. Thank you, Lance. So Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you know, this morning we're coming to the communion table and we're coming here because we're coming here because of mankind's sin. Because sin is a barrier between us and God. And as soon as, as soon as God created mankind, it didn't take long before we sinned. It's just one of those things that happen. It's, it's just one of those things that, yeah, that does happen. God gave us a set of rules, not so much rules, but He gave us guidelines in life, how to lead a good life and an awesome life. And uh, He's given us all gifts and talents and, and great abilities. And He wants... He's just so excited about us. He loves us all. He loves us so much that, as you know, we're coming around the communion table that He gave His only Son for us. But He is so excited about us. And the whole reason He gave up His Son, Jesus, to be crucified on the cross is so that we can be here. So our gifts and our talents can be expressed. Because he, he loves us. He takes so much joy in us. He loves the fact that yesterday I had a pie for lunch. <laughs> He loves the fact that I'm in Ma'atiti, or however you say your name, had bacon and eggs, three hash browns, and five pieces of toast for lunch, as we all saw on Facebook. So He loves our differences. He loves our quirks. He loves the fact that big appetites, little appetites, 
Um, all the different gifts and talents that we have, God loves us for that. He loves the fact that we're different. And we come together as a family this morning because we are family. And He loves the fact that we love each other and we, teach, we, we treat each other with respect and with love and with honour. And He's telling us and He's teaching us to be more like Him and to be more like that to the rest of the world. As Reese has just talked about what they do at Vision College and how they're reaching out to people and just it's treating people with love and respect. And that's what, this, that's what communion is all about. The wages of sin is death. It's not physical death. We don't sin and then go, and we're dead. But it's, we sin and then a barrier comes up between us and God. And our spiritual life, there is a death in our spiritual life. We might feel guilty. We might feel ashamed. We might feel disconnected from God. And today, as we come around the communion table, you know, my aim is that this morning we would have reverence for what God has done for us. We'd have reverence to God now that we'd be able to put aside lunch. We'd be able to put aside the disappointments we have in life, the things that we haven't achieved that we dreamed about. Our life's not over yet. They might still happen. We've got to put aside all those things this morning and just worship God, love God like He loves us. And, and just appreciate what He has done for us and the fact that He has connected us with a beautiful family of different people, brothers and sisters and, and mothers and fathers of all shapes and sizes, all abilities, all colours, all shapes, like I say, and, just, and he, just, he just loves us, you know. Jesus said on the cross, His last few words were, it is finished. And what He meant by that is, before Jesus was crucified to atone for our sins, there was a blood sacrifice that had to be made. People brought their bulls, their goats, whatever, to the priests, to the high priests, and they would be sacrificed. There would be a blood sacrifice. God said that blood is life. Life had to be spared, had to be taken to atone for our sins. And God said no more when He sent His Son, Jesus. So when His blood was spilled, He was a sacrifice for us. So we could have life and have life to abundance. That we could fulfill the dreams and the plans and the purposes that God has for us. Because He has. And here we are in 2015. And it's, you know, I was thinking about this, the fact that back before Jesus, there was a heck of an effort that had to go in for people to atone themselves to God, to get themselves right with God. They had to look after that goat. Couldn't just be any old goat. Couldn't just be the shaggy old goat at the back. It had to be beautiful, the best. There was a lot of heaven that went in that people had to put to get themselves right with God. But God has made it so easy for us. And at times I just think we're a little bit too lackadaisical, a little bit too, she'll be right, a little bit too slow, to be honest, and disrespectful. And today I just, let's just take the time. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you, God, for what you've done for us. And we thank you, Jesus, for what you did, the ultimate sacrifice for us. And I, I just thank you, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And you've got so much more for us. And God, by sending your Son, and as we take this cup right now, Lord, we just remember your Son, Jesus, what you did for us, God. Jesus, you're amazing. What you went through, your blood that was spilt for us. And we just say thank you this morning. Let's just take the cup.
And God, we just, we thank you for this bread that is a symbol of Jesus' body that was broken, beaten, tortured, whipped, smashed, punctured for us. That Lord, we may come into your presence this morning to worship you, to honour you, to be set free. Jesus, you came to set the captives free. You came to heal the brokenhearted. You came to connect us with our eternal Father and, and we are eternally grateful. Let's take the bread. place to be a place full of your children Lord we love you we come before you this this morning humbly before you Lord despite all that's happened in the week Lord and all that aside we focus on you focus on you
this, Lord, we declare this morning that we do believe in you. We believe in God the Father, Christ the Son. We believe in your Holy Spirit. And we believe that you are with us every day, every hour, every minute, every second, that you never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. And Lord, this morning we want to declare that you are a good Father. Come on, that's the truth. We need to hear this church that we we have a loving Father who would do anything for us, who did do everything possible for us. Thank you, Lord. Wow. 
this place this morning. ask this morning, let's really press it. Ask God, what are you saying? What are you saying? personality you don't lose who you are who you are becomes more true when you connect with him it become you become more real with yourself to your family to others he doesn't take anything from you you become more you become more and he wants you to know you don't have to put anything on for him because he just loves you so much just come to him exactly as you are and just let him love you and you will become so much more happy with who you are. You will love yourself more. You'll be more true to yourself. And 
he's not going to love you more, but you're going to find it easier to experience his love. So just come. He just loves us so much. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Some version says that He rejoices over you with singing and dancing. And I reckon Father God is having a party over it. Do you know what I reckon when he dances over me? I reckon he raps. Yeah. He goes, yep. When he, when he sees um, Pastor Sheridan, maybe he lines dance like the Irish. <laughs> I don't know. When he sees Robin and, and uh, Nelson, maybe it's a ballroom dance. I don't know, because they're into that sort of thing. But God rejoices over you. And I think that is so cool that the Lord wants us to know afresh that He is one that rejoices over us. It's not because we're perfect, but because in the image of His Son, Jesus, as we heard from Wayne, we are made perfect through the precious blood of Jesus. So isn't that awesome to rest in that? So why don't you give your neighbour a high five as you take a seat? Thank you, team. It's wonderful. Well, church, it's wonderful to have Pastor uh, Andrew Rowden all the way from Paradise, as he calls it, in Raglan. He'll tell us a little about that. And remember, kids, count how many times he says pizza. And uh, even adults, if you're into counting how many times he says pizza, there's chocolates there for you as well. One of the things I enjoy about our church and our church movement is it really seeks to um, acknowledge and honour and give place to the offices of the gifts that Jesus gave His church, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors and evangelists, for the purpose of equipping and bringing to maturity. And so, Pastor Andrew, it's a delight to welcome you as a teacher of the Word of God, and we honour that and acknowledge that uh, with you this morning. So come and share from the Word of God with us. Well, how are you doing? It is, uh, it is actually very cool to be back. I come to you this morning in the spirit of menthol and eucalyptus. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's good to be here. Hey, I'm, I'm really excited because this is very much family for Leanne and I. And I you know, wasn't prepared for how much I would feel that coming back in. And uh, so thank you guys for loving all over us out at Raglan for those who visited and pray for us. We're, we're just having such a great time. It's really cool, and, and um, I, mean, I was so excited by the email about Phil and Kathy the other day. I, I rang Phil straight up. He was already making coffees here for Momentum Night, and I rang him up, and he answered, and I'm like, sucker! 
But really, just because I was so excited, I'm really excited whenever anyone answers the call. And, and it's not about being a, a minister or any particular call, it's any call. I mean, my Bible says we've all been given a grace. We've all been given a, a calling. God's created good works for all of us to do. And whenever anyone says that, you feel the most you you've ever meant to be. You know, you say, you know, it's who I am. I've never felt more me than out at Raglan. And I'd never given Raglan a second thought, but why wouldn't you, you know? So um, I'm really excited for you guys. I am I, so thrilled. And, you know, I remember when I was getting ordained up here and I was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek and said there were other people and I was looking at you. I don't know if you remember that, but... Um, you know, and it's not just you guys. There's lots of other people here who've got a call to respond to. And actually, we're going to talk about that this morning. Before I do that, though, I just love what Reese said this morning. Because um, I can't remember if it was last Sunday or the Sunday before. Uh, there was a new lady in our church. And she, you know, many of you know Mike and Julie Wallace. They come to our church now. And they had picked up this lady, just, you know, hitchhiking. And her and her daughter had come out from Hamilton. I said, well, what's your daughter doing? She goes, oh, she goes to this place called Train Me. And I said, really? And I said, how's that going? She goes, you would not believe. Those people are amazing. Yeah, seriously. She said, you know, I have never seen people like that. We've just never experienced that. My, my daughter's never experienced that. She goes to this place could train me. Um, and I said, you mean ATC? And she goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, I've been there for about 24 years so far. Uh, and it was great to be able to do that. So rock on you guys. You know, Lance, Alan was here before, there's probably others, so exciting. So anyway, well, we are also exploring faith and goodness out at Raglan, and I wanted to talk about that this morning from the point of view of your heart and my heart, because sometimes I think we fall into the mistake of thinking that our heart is a limited resource. How many of you, and I mean, I know Ray's going to put up two hands, but how many of you like maths? Wow, I'm astounded. I was not expecting that many hands. How many people like pie graphs? I mean, I, I like to graph. I can graph just about anything. I like graphs. But as far as maths goes, that's as far as it goes. So, you know, if you like pie graphs, how many of you like pizza? One. Who's counting, by the way? Who's going to check? <laughs> See, a pie graph is just a pizza. And we chop it up into slices. And the whole idea, you know, the, the, the trap that we can think of is that, you know, well, if my heart's like a pizza, there's only so many slices. So if I want to love Jesus more, I have to love something else less. So and if I'm going to give Jesus more slices, you know, if I increase Jesus to three slices, if he's lucky... Well, that's one less slice for Leanne or my kids or my job or I don't know, whoever. But your heart is not like that. Do you know that you've got a hundred pizza heart? Some of you know this already. There's actually no limit to how many pie charts or pizzas that you can have in your heart. But if you're going to slice it up into pie chart, it's not so much dividing your heart up. It's really about how much are you already loving Jesus compared to how much potential there is to love Jesus. Husbands, how much are you loving your wives compared to her potential to be loved? And so on. 
You can have dozens and dozens and dozens of pizzas in your heart and love all of them fully. There's room in your heart for that. So please don't ever think that it's a limited resource. The problem is that Jesus is actually, and God is actually jealous for our love, and that pizza needs to be at the top. God needs to be number one. And we live in a world, the spirit of the ages, no, I, I can do whatever I want. You, you don't get to tell me, no one gets to tell me, not even God really gets to tell me, and even some believers fall for this. You know, no, we, you know I'm not hurting anyone by what I choose to do. I'm not hurting, you know, it's no business of yours, I'm just living how I want. But actually, there's no room for that in the Bible. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, I've got to be number one pizza. Have you ever thought of Jesus as a pizza before? I just realized what I said. So sorry about that. If that's doing your head and then just... Luke chapter 9. We're going to spend some time in Luke this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along, Jesus said, no, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Have you ever had those moments of weakness where you've said that? You know, just whatever you want, God. And then you thought about it later. Jesus said to this guy, hang on, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. See, he was looking at that man and he loved him and he says, I know you're saying you want to follow me, but actually I need to let you know that I don't even have anywhere to live. And if you're coming to follow me, then you might not have anywhere to live either. And, and he wasn't trying to be a stink dude. He was just looking into that guy's heart and saying, see, you say you love me and I know you do, but actually I know you love your home more. You love a bit of security more. And I know that when I call you to follow me, there'll come a time when you'll go, oh, but, but my house. And Jesus has really just pointed out that, no, at the moment you're distracted by that. You're not ready to follow me. And he's not saying you can't follow me. He's just saying push comes to shove, your heart's actually going to go in that direction, not in this direction. And that's a problem. There's nothing wrong with a home. There's nothing wrong with the normal aspects of life. It's all good. The question is, what will you do if Jesus asks you to follow him into a life of faith and goodness away from those things? How will we respond then? Jesus said to another, come follow me. Now when Jesus says to you, come follow me, he's not just saying, Hey, well, let's go and have lunch and we'll have a chin wag and we'll talk about stuff. It'll be great. And then we'll have a coffee and then we'll go home. He's not saying, well, come follow me. I'm on the road to Samaria and you can just tag along and listen to what I say because I say some pretty cool stuff from time to time. When Jesus is saying, come follow me, he's saying, you come and live with me and go where I go and I'll reproduce something of myself in you. And actually, it's even more than that, because in the, in the time, if a rabbi came to you and says, come follow me, that's what he was saying. Come and be my disciple. In other words, come and learn all my sayings. Come and adopt all my beliefs. Come and pick up all my cool things, and then you can do them as well, and you'll be like me. But actually, when Jesus is saying it, he's more saying it like a prophet, come follow me. And when a prophet says, come follow me, he says, come and sleep where I sleep, wherever that might be. Come and eat whatever I meet might eat even if that's locusts and honey. Come and go, leave all that. Just forget about all that. Come and follow me. It was a massive thing for Jesus to say, come follow me. He wasn't asking you, let's go to Easter camp. It'll be cool. 
Owen will sing some songs and we'll have great times of worship and the food will be awesome and you'll meet some chick from another church and oh. <laughs> He's not inviting you to Easter camp. He's inviting you to a life of sacrifice and discipleship. And these aren't cool words in our society. He says, come follow me. And the man agreed. And he said, Lord, yeah, I will. But first let me return home and bury my father. And who knows, burying our fathers is, is an important business. There's nothing in Jesus that doesn't like a good funeral. That doesn't sound right either. But you know, Jesus understands that burying our parents, and that's an important thing to do. But he says this, hold on, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And you think, stink one, Jesus. Oh, man, what did you have for breakfast? But see, Jesus is looking into that man's heart and saying, I understand for you how important tradition is. And I can see in your heart that actually when push comes to shove, you value tradition more than following me. And that this issue is going to keep coming up. You might follow me today, but next week another tradition Another of society's expectations is going to grab you and you'll, you'll turn away again. Or you might come that time, but then next month something else is going to come up. And I can see in your heart that you're actually not ready to give all of that up, to surrender all of that. Peter! To follow me. And again, there's nothing wrong with tradition. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. A lot of the things that God asks us to surrender are very good things. He doesn't have a problem with them. Jesus is not a stink dude. And most likely you'll never have to surrender most of them. But he's saying, if I call you today, is there something in your heart that's more important to you right now than me? Is there another pizza that's top shelf instead of me? When Jesus asks, will you bow to him or to tradition? Following Jesus into a life of faith and goodness might require you to forsake some of that stuff. And you see, Jesus is deliberately using quite extreme language because this is the first time these things have ever been taught. And this is the first and only time these things will be recorded to paper. And he's making sure that it's crystal clear so that 1987 years later, you and I are reading them and getting the same strong message. He doesn't want it to become vague over the centuries. He's making sure we get the point. Here's kind of what Jesus is saying. You're not the only person who can bury your parents, but you are the only person who can answer the call to faith and goodness on your life. And sometimes the call comes suddenly, and the best thing to do is act quickly before other thoughts come to crowd the issue and, to, and you know, to, to confuse it. Verse 61, another man said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And, you know, when you were ploughing in that land, you know, some of those rocky, dry, arid landscapes, you know, if you, you, know, you go along with your single plough and you look back, it's, whoa! That, that, fel- that furrow, no longer straight. But what he's really saying is, are you going to be like Lot's wife, who, who when God says, get out of Sodom and don't look back, she looked back and said, oh, but what about my shoes? 
What about all my clothes? What about my friends? What about coffee club? Oh, I'm going to miss that house. And so she turns back. How many people are old enough to remember Keith Green? So you want to go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure. Come on. You know you want to. <laughs> Eating leeks and lime juice by the Nile. Here they have been miraculously taken out of Egypt and slavery and whips and clay and mud and bricks and whip, you know, just, it was a cursed life. And Moses has come out and he's brought them out of Egypt. Only a few miles down the road, well, why'd you take us out of Egypt? We had it good there. Are you kidding me? And, and what Jesus is really saying is if, if you're going to constantly miss those things and pine for them, and if they're going to distract you, you're not ready to follow. What is it in your life and in my life that if he called me to the other side of the office or the other side of the street or the other side of town, the other side of the world, what is there in your life where, he, where you might go, but, but I'm really going to miss east side? Oh, I'll activate Hamilton. but I'm really going to miss coffee culture at Five Crossroads. I'm really not going to miss Sheridan, but, you know, Ray. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, eh? He calls us to go. You know, see, Phil and Kathy were just a bit too slow. They could have had Raglan. I mean, TA's still pretty good. But, you know, if they're going to go and say, Oh, but we miss. Then they're not ready to follow. But they haven't said that. They say, yeah, absolutely. We're on our way, God. Ain't nothing going to hold us back, singing it. Menthol and eucalyptus ain't that good. I'll stop singing. Now, Jesus isn't meaning to be mean. He's not trying to be a stink dude. But we've got to come back to the context here. The context is that we are in a spiritual invisible battle and Jesus is enlisting troops and inviting you and I to follow him he uses the word disciple but really he's meaning soldier there's an invisible battle going on for the hearts and minds of every single soul on this entire planet And Jesus is saying, I want you in my army. And you cannot join the army on your own terms. Well, you can try. I've got a relative who went to the army territorials. And he did not want to shower quite often as they wanted him to shower. But they've got really good fire hoses in the army. And yard brooms that really hurt. Two or three days in a row of that, and he started showering daily. You can't go to the army and make up your own rules, and you can't come to Jesus on your own terms, only on his. And it's a really sobering thought. See, so many times we switch on TV and we hear about prosperity preaching, we see these guys up there and, and they're shouting prosperity and all that, and actually I don't have any problem with prosperity. If you would like to give your prosperity to me, 
If you want to sell all you have and give it to the poor in Raglan, I'm, I'm ready. I've got no problem with prosperity. Don't, don't hear that. But, you know, I don't want prosperity at the expense of what... Uh, I don't want prosperity at the expense of what God has asked me to do. And as I said before, you know, I suspect that if I won Lotto last night and I got 10 or $15 million, that it just might distract me from what he's asked me to do. I mean, probably after Bali and Thailand and the Mediterranean, I would eventually come back onto task. Maybe. But 10 or $15 million is pretty hard to... That's, that's distracting. I'd love 10 or $15 million. I reckon I could use it for good, but I probably wouldn't. Nothing wrong with prosperity. But what's happening here is that even though, and I really mean this, some of you will be called to a life of faith and goodness that includes all of that. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm really very happy to have people in my church with millions of dollars in the bank. I am stoked about that. God bless the people in my church. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Some of you, it might be part of your calling. But for some of you, God may call you away from the security of a home. God may call you away from the security of a salary. God may call you away from a successful career. He may even call you away from your family. Of their expectations and dreams for you. He may call you away from the part of town that you're really enjoying right now. Whatever it is that currently has your attention, whatever that top pizza is at the moment, God may well call you away from that. What is happening here is that Jesus is not wanting to leave you under any illusion that there is a cost to pay in following him. There is a cost to pay. Luke 9.23, he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, and I add in here, to live a life of faith of goodness, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, they did not know how Jesus was going to die. They really had no understanding at this point that he would be hung on a cross. But they were all familiar with the imagery, uh, you know, because not long before Jesus came, thousands were crucified from the road to Jerusalem all the way back. Thousands of crucifixions. And they were well used to the image of someone being prosecuted and judged and condemned to die that way and to have to put their back to the cross and literally walk through the streets of Jerusalem or wherever it was with this cross on their back until they came to the place where they'd nail you to it and stick you in the hole in the ground. And so you can imagine the disciples, you know, they're enjoying this message. They don't even mind that bit about sacrifice. And the next minute they say, what are you talking about? We're going to be carrying a cross? Are you... Are you Linking us with condemned criminals? And Jesus is saying, yeah, cool, eh? He's getting them used to the fact, I mean, the context for the scripture is that he sent the disciples before him into Samaria. say, go and prepare the way for me. And the Samaritans said, no, you're on your way to Jerusalem. Blow you, you're not coming through our town. And they rejected Jesus. They rejected the disciples. And he says, if you're going to come to follow me, you need to understand I'm calling you to a life of rejection. Now, you, you're not going to necessarily get rejected everywhere all of the time. But you, I mean, you all know, any leader that you've ever met, anyone who's ever taken the gospel seriously, they've paid a price. There is suffering. They can tell you stories. Whoever would save his life will lose it. You know, if you want to hold on to the good things, if you want to hold on to security, if your house is that important, Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
going on to Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me to live a life of faith and goodness and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And again, Jesus is reordering the pizzas. He's reordering the pie charts. He's saying, you know, I have to be number one. All the others are good. I've got no problem with them. I'm, I'm not even really that concerned what order they are. I, I just have to be number one. And you know, this is really strong language. Really, God, you want me to hate my parents and my wife? Nasty. But this love-hate language is a well-known idiom of the time for comparing things. You know, Jesus said, what's it going to be, money or God? Because you can't serve both. You'll love one and you'll hate the other. <coughs> you'll love one and hate the other. You, you can't have both. And it's not that God wants me to hate my parents, really. God loves my mum and dad. I love my mum and dad. I love Leanne's tool too, by the way. <laughs> but he says, if I come and call you and there's a conflict of interest there, if I call you but your parents are going to say something that will keep you from answering the call, then you've got to make a decision who you're going to love the most. Because if you love them to the point where their word is more important than my call, then essentially you love them and hate me. You've made a choice. Now they are essentially Lord in your life, not me. Tough words, eh? Really, really sobering words. And please, there's nothing in God asking you to hate anybody. But he's saying, by comparison, if, you're made, if you need to make a choice, I need to be your choice. Or you're not ready. Because what he says is then, if, if you follow me to the other side of the world, for example, every time your parents call and jerk that chain, you're going to be confused and you're going to want to go home. I don't want people to go even to the other side of the street always wondering whether they should have stayed home. If you're going to go, go. If you're going to answer my call, answer my call. Follow me. But don't keep looking back. Even your family, who you are right to love, must become below me in the stack of pizzas. 14 verse 28 of Luke, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. You know, I could come and tell you of all the dreams that I've got to go to India and do amazing things over there. And then three months down the line, you hear me saying, oh, yeah, no, I, I thought about it, but actually it turns out it wasn't really very practical. And the mocking begins. Oh, what happened to your big dreams, man? What happened to your faith? Now, come on. Let's count the cost. And why I'm bringing it up today is for two reasons. One is because for some of you today, it might be the first time that you're getting to count the cost. Because tomorrow, or even this morning in 10 minutes' time, God might call you, and you need to have done some reflection to say, yeah, am I willing to surrender all to the call? But others of you, if you're like me, I've been a Christian for 40 years. And I've surrendered lots of things in that time. 
But then over time, I discover, oh my goodness, that thing I surrendered 17 years ago, it, yeah, it ain't surrendered anymore. It's starting to rise up in the stack of pizzas. And I've got to come back and put it in its rightful place. I need to re-surrender things that I thought I'd dealt with long ago. Two things. The two things that can derail us, and I'll try and do this quite quickly. There is an author by the name of Jenny Allen. Jenny Allen and her husband planted some churches in Austin, Texas. And as part of that journey, she wrote a book called Anything. You can have anything, God. And I really recommend you buy it and read it. Just have a box of tissues there, okay? It's a good book. She tells a story of when she was at university. She goes to her parents and she tells them that she's feeling God has called her to serve overseas. She, she's doing the sort of degree in America that she can take two years off and go to any country in the world she wants and she's feeling God doing that. And can I just stop for a second? I just need to mention, you know, quite often when God calls us, we're wanting him to really spell it out and then we're wanting him to confirm it with three prophetic words in a scripture and some handwriting on the wall would be good. You know what I'm saying? Can I really encourage you? In all my life, God has never directed me that way. And, you know, and I'm, I'm really feeling this right now. Um, I was just hearing with someone before, I, I remember now quite distinctly about 10 years ago, I just woke up and, and I was just praying and I just had this burden for Cambridge. So much so that I drove out to Cambridge and I walked around that cricket pitch in the middle of there, praying that God would send someone to plant a church in Cambridge. And then I drove away. Now I look back and realise perhaps that someone was me and God had already given me all the nudge he was ever going to give me. And I, I've, many times I've said, yes, God, sure, absolutely. You just confirm it and I'll go. And God's like, duh. Please don't overthink the call of God and wait till it's been given to you in triplicate. If you get an inkling, go and share it with someone because quite often that inkling is all you're ever going to get. The still, small voice of God. Coffee cake, mow the lawns, wash the car, word of encouragement. You know what I'm saying, eh? Please don't wait until it's blindingly obvious. It is blindingly obvious. We've just got to have the courage to say, that inkling may be all I need right now. Please. So anyway... <laughs> Jenny Allen, she goes and sits on the bed with her parents and she says to them, you know what, I think God's calling me to go overseas. And her parents didn't say a thing. They never said she couldn't go. But there was something in the look in their eyes that she knew they weren't happy and she didn't go. And like the man in Luke, there were traditions to uphold. She knew that her parents expected her to go to college and get a degree and to marry well, to get a nice white house with two good cars and a picket fence and grandchildren, please. Thank you very much. And she felt the weight of that and she saw the look in their eye. And she says this. The current running through my heart was no little creek. It was a frantic river drowning out my God and controlling my heart and thus my life. 
I loved invisible God, but I loved visible God more. People, visible people more. I worshipped them. I bowed down for their gold stars, especially from the two people I found myself looking at that night on the corner of their bed. That night on my parents' bed, as I told them I wanted to obey God by serving him in another country, far from their categories and dreams, many streams flooded me. She goes on to say, love is jealous, especially God's love. He wants me, and I wanted everyone else. People had to shrink for me before God had me completely. What an incredibly difficult thought. See, our desire for our parents' approval is actually a very good, natural, healthy thing. Nothing wrong with it. But when our desire for our parents' approval comes before God's approval, that's actually idolatry. The pizzas are out of stack. Remember when the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, was just this fanatical Pharisee running around the country killing these Christians who were upsetting the whole kingdom? He was a man of fervour. He was a man who had the approval of his peers and his parents. And I can just imagine them at barbecue on Friday night. Dad, you won't believe it. I've found some more Christians in Damascus. I'm going first thing Monday. And his dad's like, yeah, go get him, son. Here, take my gun. It's better than yours. Go get those suckers. And then he gets a call from Paul. Oh, Dad, you wouldn't believe it. I saw a blinding light. And I heard a voice in my head. And now I'm one of them. I really wonder how that conversation went. Because I, I mean, maybe his parents, maybe Jesus set them up first, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a moment of rejection then. Because in the Middle East, to follow this cult meant to reject your family or to be rejected by your family. And that is still true. You know, we've all seen it on the news. To follow Christ in the Middle East quite often means to be rejected or even killed by society. I wonder whose approval matters to me, to you, more than God's approval. I wonder who, without even saying a word, could give you a look that says, come on, be sensible. And something flutters in your heart and you go, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, what was I thinking? Don't, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll forget all about it. We'll just calm down and we'll, we'll act like normal. And we turn away from the call of God. I wonder if I really trust God. I wonder if I can trust him with that call. He understands rejection. He understands the price. Second one, I'll finish with this. The second one is entitlement. And that's a harsh word, isn't it? If you're reacting to that word right now, well, then maybe that's good. But some of us, it's very easy for us to be lulled into a sense of entitlement. Yes, we want to follow God, but we want life as normal, thank you very much. We want the nice house. We want the good job. We want the good schools. We want to be in the good sports club. And, and all of that's good. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Yes, we're saved, but no one can really tell. When Jenny Allen, that author I was telling you about, when she started to realise that, she was literally saying to God, anything, God, you can have anything. 
And she found herself saying, what about my house, God? Would you like us to sell our house and give the money to the poor? And she meant it. And she heard God say, no. No, I don't want your house. Not right now, anyway. Well, what about our cars? There's no, we don't need this many cars. Shall I sell the cars? No. Don't want your cars. Well, what do you want, God? You can have anything. I'd like your spare bed. What? Your, your son upstairs, he's got a spare bed. I'd, I'd like your spare bed. What on earth do you mean, Lord? There are people dying in Africa through civil war. There are orphans who no longer have a home. I'd like your spare bed. And so they went through all the process and they adopted a young boy from one of the African countries. And he had the immense privilege of growing up in America with a family that loved him when he had no family. See, the thing is, we think God wants this, but actually, he wants this. And we never know what he's going to ask. He wanted her spare bed. Jesus said, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. See, foxes have holes, but soldiers are lucky if they even get a foxhole. And remember, we're talking about the context that, you know, we aren't simply followers of Jesus. We are soldiers. And a good general out there, regardless of any army in the world, will move heaven and earth to feed his soldiers, to find them a place to rest. And the captain of the hosts is no different. Jesus is a good general. He wants to look after his troops. But first and foremost, he has a battle to win. And that means that sometimes his troops are going to go hungry. And sometimes his troops won't have anywhere to sleep. And sometimes they might lose a limb. The ironic thing about believing in God and the supernatural things is that the invisible stuff is actually the most real. The battle that we can't see is more than the things we can see. So the concrete things that we can see and touch become wind just going between our fingers. We grasp at them, but they're just gone. And still, we put conditions on following God. I will serve you, God, but yeah, I expect you to treat me well. And do you know what? We serve an incredibly generous God. He does want to treat you well. I could tell you story after story about how God has gone before us in Raglan and given us much nicer houses to live in than we could possibly afford. And every time I've needed income, he has got me income. God has gone before us and blessed us. Please hear me. We serve an incredibly generous God. And I don't say that with any sense of presumption, but my expectation now is God's got my back. But even if... He doesn't have a house. And even if he doesn't have a salary, I hope in that day I will still follow him. We can fall into the trap of thinking that God owes us. You know, it's easy in this country for blessings to become rights, for stuff and money. And, you know, we, we, we feel like we should be able to do anything we want and live however we want. It's no one's business. We're not hurting anyone. What a load of rubbish. You are called of God to live holy lives to follow him into a life of goodness and faith. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, as I said before, there's not a leader in this room or anywhere that you know who hasn't paid a price. And, you know, I mean, might not be massive things. You know, even and again, 
I, I, I have had moments in my life where I say, come on God, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I've served you since, you know, when we got married, the day after we got married, we had a four day, five day, well, it was a five day honeymoon, but we cut it down to four because we got bubbles in our tyres and had to, you know. But ever since then, we launched into a church plant in Pukekoe with Roger and Karen Carter and we've served in every ministry. The only ministry I have never run is the women's ministry and probably that's a good thing. And so there have been moments I say, God, I do all of that and I still get insulin-dependent diabetes. I still go profoundly deaf. I still have lawnmower accidents, for goodness. You know, I mean, what's that about? <laughs> and I'm not the only one. And, and please, I'm not trying to make light of anyone's suffering. I, I, I think you know that, eh? I'm not trying to make light of suffering. But it's easy to believe, well, God, I gave you my life. What's that about? You can't be a soldier in a battle and expect to get through unscathed and, and again you can turn TV on and listen to prosperity speeches and, I, and I'm not actually criticising necessarily but it's easy to hear that what they're saying is if you serve God He will give you victory in every circumstance and every second of every day and my God is victorious but stuff happens you can't be you can't be in the firing line and not to expect to take some hits don't act as a surprise when you get hurt. Jesus says, Paul says, find a way to count it all joy, to rejoice that you've been counted worthy of suffering for, for Jesus' sake. Well, there's a harsh word, isn't it? Not for a moment am I making light of suffering, but, I, but you know, when we start to come to God and say, well, I'll follow you, but I expect, and we put conditions on God, we've got to come back to that context, the spiritual invisible battle, he is enlisting troops and you cannot come to Jesus on your own terms. So I wonder this morning, what conditions have you, have I placed on God? Secretly in our heart, what are we saying? Yeah, I will follow you, but whose look could sway you? You know, when you, when you go to someone and you share them, I think God's calling me too. Such and such, could be anything. And you see that look in their eye and you go, oh, oh no, don't worry, I was just joking. Oh, you know, just, just an idea. What is it about your current life? Your house, your job, your salary, your family, your friends? Is there anything there that if Jesus looked into your heart, he'd say, you know, that thing's going to keep tripping you up, so don't come. You're not ready. And he's not been a stink dude. He will keep calling you. He will keep inviting. He will keep giving opportunities. But as long as he can look in our heart and go, yeah, I can see that you love that thing too much. Every time I call, it's going to jerk your chain and you're going to turn away. So don't come. But He wants you to come. He really wants you to follow Him in a life of faith and goodness. He really does have a call for every single person. He really has prepared works in advance for you to do. And He says, will you follow me? Will you follow me? I wonder if you just stand with me this morning as we pray. And this morning, just while 
every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I wonder this morning if you've come to church and it may be the first time you've come to church. May not be. But for the first time in a long time, you haven't heard me speaking this morning. Your, your heart's been going a million miles an hour and, and you realise God's speaking to you and saying this morning, would you follow me? Would you give up everything about your life and invite me to be your Lord, your King? Would you follow me wherever I ask you to go? If you have never given your life to God before, but this morning you think today might be the day, can I just ask you just to raise your hand? And I just want to see you and I'd love to just meet with you afterwards and pray for you. Introduce you to Jesus. It'll be the most profound decision you will ever make. If that's you this morning, thank you. I'll see you up here. God bless you both. Two people, any more. You just know this morning if something's different, God's calling you. God's asking you, come on, give your life to me. Come and follow me. It'll be the most amazing adventure you will ever have. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I see you at the back there. Thank you. Four people. That's very cool. The other group of people I want to talk to this morning is you, you love God. You already love God. And you've already surrendered lots of things your entire life. But this morning, you're just getting the distinct impression that there is something you're holding back or there's something really that if it jerked your chain today, you know that you would, you would have difficulty following Jesus today. And if you want to come and just surrender that thing, surrender the approval of somebody, surrender the treasures you have in this life, surrender your freedom. I don't know what it might be. But if that's you, do you just want to raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you too. You're already a Christian. Thank you. But you know that you've got to do business with God today. You know that you've got to say, God, I'm sorry. You can have that thing. I won't hold anything back from you. Anyone else? Thank you. So I'm going to pray for a minute. And then if you've, if you've put your hand up that you want to give your life to Jesus, some people are going to come around and see you give you a package but I want to pray for you first okay and uh, you can just pray after me but Father God I thank you this morning that you sent Jesus Jesus I thank you so much that you came and Lord you promised us life and life abundant and you weren't talking about any small kind of life you were talking about an amazing life of adventure with you as our Lord our Saviour our King and so this morning Lord for perhaps for the first time we are saying Yes, Jesus, we want you to be our God. So I just want to ask you all, would you just join me in this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, today I ask you to be my Lord, to be my Saviour. I've been living my own way, doing whatever I want. But today I give my life to you. I don't want to hold anything back. You can have everything. You can have anything. So come in, Jesus, and be my friend and be my saviour. Amen. And for those also who are Christians today, I just want to pray for all of you. There will come a moment today. There will come a moment this week. I believe Jesus is going to tap every single one of you on the shoulder 
and say, what about that? Can I have that? And some of you haven't put your hand up this morning and that's fine. I'm not worried about that. But I do believe that in the next seven days, God is going to tap everyone on the shoulder and say, what about that? Can I have it? Can I encourage you, please? Trust God with your life and give Him that thing when He asks you. Lord, this morning, we want to repent of whatever it is we've been holding back for you. We want to confess and give to you every single thing in our life that would prevent us from answering your call to goodness, to faith. Lord, please forgive us. And this, this week as we spend time with you, would you show us what it is that you want us to surrender? Would you bring us to a place where we can say wherever, whenever. <laughs> we ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor um, Andrew. Let's give Andrew a, a great applause. Thank you. Thank you so much for the encouragement, the reminder to give it all, everything, including the pizzas. If you know how many times Pastor Andrew said pizza, go and see Ashley. And uh, particularly you kids, she'll give you some chocolate which would be great. That'd be cool. We're going to conclude with a song and I just want to really give people the opportunity to come up to the front and receive prayer as Andrew has given the invitation. But also if you're unwell, if you have sickness in your body, I believe God wants to really touch you this morning and have faith for that to happen. So can I encourage you as you go, can you be purposeful in your giving? And in front of the pocket, seat pocket in front of you is a giving card outline, the various methods to give. So take the opportunity to have a look at that. Also in the pocket is a prayer request card. If you have a prayer need of any type for anything, take the opportunity to fill that in and the staff will partner with you during the week and hold your need up before the Lord in prayer. And this evening we have Luke speaking at the 6pm service. So I really encourage you to come. We're going to have a wonderful time. So thank you, Juan. Let's conclude with a final song. And uh, you know, we have this tradition here of encouraging people to go out for chicken cold sore on buns. Isn't that cool? Well, today we're going to do something different. Why don't you tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, let's go out and have pizza. Yeah, let's do pizza. Thank you, church. God bless.
are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, you are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, you're a good, good father. To you. of us going out into our week and stepping out this week, Lord. I pray that you would be with us, Lord. You would be our strength, Lord, that no matter what the week may throw at us, Lord, that you would be with us. Thank you that you can, that you will be there for us, Lord, that we can trust you because you are a good father. Perfect in all of your ways to us. 